If you could open your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 5, we're continuing our study in the Gospel of Matthew. If you're new to the church, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew all of this year. We took a break for the month of June. But in this Gospel, we are seeing that Matthew is showing us that Jesus Christ is King. That Jesus is the ruler of the earth, that he is currently reigning on the throne. And so in this chapter that we're in here in Matthew chapter 5, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is showing his disciples, his followers, what it looks like to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. What it looks like to live a life that is submitted to the lordship of Christ. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at portions of Scripture where portions of the law, the Mosaic law, where Jesus is correcting the Jewish leaders' false teaching and false application of the Mosaic law. And so a few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus dealing with anger, where he said, If you have anger, towards your brother that you are liable for judgment. Then we looked where he said, if you, have com- if you have lust in your heart towards a woman, you have already committed adultery in your heart. There's these teachings of, of Christ, they are not easy to obey. They're very difficult passages. And today is no different. But as we approach these passages, it's important to remind ourselves that Jesus is speaking to followers of Christ. He's speaking to those who have been regenerated, those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and are walking in the Spirit and in the power of His Spirit. And so when we read passages like the one we're going to read today, it's on the surface, you might think, how do I really live this out every day of my life? How do I obey what Jesus is asking me to do here We know that in our own strength, we cannot do what Jesus is asking of us, but he isn't expecting his followers to live in their own strength. He gave us his Holy Spirit so that we can live a victorious life. We can live a kingdom life. And so this morning, this passage is going to deal with retaliation, with getting even with somebody, with revenge. I don't think there's anybody in here that likes to be wronged, that likes to have someone do something wrong to them, to lie to them, to cheat them, to stab them in the back, to gossip about them, to post something slanderous about them online or to someone else. Nobody in here enjoys those things. And our fleshly, natural tendency when those things happen to us is to want retribution. We want to get even with those people. We want them to feel how we feel. And so if they betrayed us, we want to betray them. If they gossiped about us, we want to gossip about them. And so we're going to see what Jesus says about this today and see how he tells his followers to handle these situations. And so if you would look at, we're going to be looking at verses 38 through 42 today in Matthew 5. And it says, 
You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. These are the words of the living God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that it is our lamp. Lord, your word guides us, your word leads us, your word directs us, and God, your word challenges us. So Father, I pray that this morning that you would work in our hearts, Lord, that we would truly desire to be obedient to every word that is in this book. Lord, that it would convict us. Lord, bring um, situations to our hearts or where we haven't been obedient to this, that we would make it right, that we would be truly desirous to obey your word. Lord, we thank you for your word and the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to be obedient to it. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you have heard this saying before, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Most of us have heard this. Now, maybe you weren't aware that this actually came from Scripture. We get this phrase from the Word of God. Now, Jesus here, he is quoting word for word from the Mosaic Law. And God knew that we as human beings, we are a fallen creature. We live in our flesh. He knew that our natural tendency when we've been wronged would be to want to get even to want to make things right. And so he put in the Mosaic Law a system of justice. He created a system in the law that would take the revenge out of the people's hands and it would be up to the courts and to the judges and at that time up to the priests to carry out justice. And so let's look at the law the actual law that Jesus is quoting here, and it's in Leviticus chapter 24. If you'd like to turn to Leviticus 24. And in verse 17, it says, Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good, and whoever kills a person shall be put to death." And so here we see that God is a God of justice. God cares about wrong things being made right. But this law, it was, it was not a personal law. You were not to obey this personally. 
If someone killed someone in your family or murdered somebody that you knew, it was not up to you to go and then murder that person. God was creating a system where it would be dealt rightly by those in authority. And the reason for this is that it would punish the wrongdoer, but it also keeps the victim in check from overreacting with their retaliation. Because that's our natural tendency, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this in your life when you seek to get revenge, that you usually go further than what that person did to you. I have an example, and this was many years ago, many years ago, but we were on vacation, and one of my brothers was laying out by the swimming pool there at the hotel, attempting to get a tan, um, which if you know me and my family, you know that is a fruitless endeavor. <laughs> However, he was enjoying some rays and laying by the, the pool, and another brother of mine thought it would be a good idea to fill up a cup of ice and water and sneak up behind him and pour it on him while he was there laying out in the sun. Now, that was not a good idea. But do you think my brother in that moment, who was now soaked with ice-cold water, thought, you know, I'm going to obey the law here, and I'm just going to get a nice cold glass of water and, and pour it back on him? No, his retaliation was to chase down my brother, knock him to the floor, and give him a fistful of knuckles to the quad, which that was oftentimes how we communicated as brothers when we were frustrated. I don't know why or if we were the only family that called it this, but it was called a gimper. I guess because it makes you walk with a, a little gimpy, I don't know. So, but we've all surely have a story like this where we retaliated and we crossed the line. We went too far. We, we didn't do justice. We, we inflicted worse upon the person who treated us poorly. And this was what the law was protecting against. It was a just law. And so again, Jesus isn't doing away with this law. We've said this over and over in Matthew 5.17. Jesus says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill the law. I have come to bring the law into full force. And so Jesus is not saying do away with this law. But what the Jewish leaders had done is they had taken this law and they had made it personal. They had removed the, the decision out of the court and from the judges and they had taken matter into their own hands and they were teaching that you could take matters into your own hands. And so it had kind of become like the Wild West. If your donkey disappears, then you can go and decide who it was that stole your donkey and steal from them. And that was creating... Um, Chaos, because if the person you thought stole your donkey didn't really steal your donkey, now you have another problem on your hands because you have stolen someone else's donkey. And so it was, the law was becoming perverted. It was creating chaos. And Jesus is saying, as my followers, as citizens of the kingdom of God, this is not how we are to treat one another. Remember last week, I I said how these, these next few passages we're going to be looking at is dealing with our relationships with each other. How we relate to one another 
in the kingdom of God. And so as children of the king, this is not how we behave. We do not seek revenge. We do not seek to get even. We don't retaliate. And so again, looking at verses 38 and 39, he says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And so Jesus here, he says, do not resist the evil man. Now people have taken this verse out of context and this teaching out of context, and they've said, well, Jesus was a pacifist. Jesus just, he he didn't want anyone to defend themselves or anyone to cause any pain ever on anybody. And so people will take this, and whether it's right or not, they'll say there should never be any wars, we shouldn't even have a military because they could end up invoking pain on someone else. I don't think that is what Jesus is saying here. Jesus isn't saying if someone breaks into your home that you just sit back and, you know, make a cup of tea to the robber. In fact, we we see that Jesus defended his house when it was invaded by evil. In Matthew 21, he overthrows the tables of the money changers and he runs them out because they were defiling his home. And then in the Gospel of John, it tells us when Jesus was betrayed and arrested that he stands up to protect his disciples. He says, take me. Your issue is with me. It's not with my disciples. Leave my disciples alone. And he turns himself in. So We see that that Jesus, he protected those around him. He defended those around him. And I believe we are called to do the same. But this isn't what our passage is talking about here. In fact, we, we know that we are to resist evil, that we are to resist the devil. We have many passages of Scripture that say that. A few of them, a few examples. In James 4, 7, it says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In 1 Thessalonians 5.22, it says, abstain from every form of evil, to resist evil. And so we need to be careful that we read Scripture and use Scripture to interpret Scripture, and we don't come to texts like this and, and take it out of context to mean something that it doesn't mean. But what he is saying here is that when we have been personally insulted, or wronged, that we don't retaliate and we don't seek revenge. In verse 39, he says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. Notice here, Jesus doesn't say if someone slaps you on the cheek. He's specific here. He says the right cheek. Now, most of us in here are right-handed. So if we were to slap somebody across the face, we would be slapping their left cheek. So he's talking about something very specific here that in the culture of that day, if you were to get slapped in this way, it was the most humiliating thing that you could do to a person. And that was to backhand slap someone across the face. In that time, if you were to do that, you were communicating to that person and to everyone else around you that you thought that person was completely worthless. 
that they had no value. It, it was the highest insult that you could give someone in that day. And so Jesus is saying, when, when someone does this to you, in, in fact, you know, he's preaching to his followers, those who are going to be living under persecution shortly, surely this was something that would be happening to them. He's telling them, when this happens, your response is not to retaliate. Your response is not to fight back. This wasn't an issue of self-defense. They weren't seeking out to bodily injure someone. It was an insult. And so Jesus is saying, when you've been insulted, when you've been humiliated, that you are not to seek retribution. That as followers of Christ, our response should not be what the world expects us to do. The world would expect you when you've been made fun of or you've been gossiped about or you've been humiliated to in return go and, and humiliate that other person or seek revenge. But as followers of Christ, that is not what we are to do. Jesus says that we turn the other cheek. We're called to be peacemakers. We're not called to be agitators. We're not called to stir up more problems, but to bring peace. In 1 Peter 2, verse 23, Peter says this, when he, talking about Jesus, was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And so we may be ridiculed and we may be humiliated, especially in today's climate, where if you stand up for what this book says, if you stand up for the truth of God's word, and you make the claim that you believe every word that is in this book and that you think every word is true and every word is just and every word is holy, you will be ridiculed. You will be called some names. You'll be called a hater, a bigot, a homophobe. You'll be said that you're not loving. And so when, when those things happen to us, when we hear that talk about us, what are we to do? Do we then think, okay, they're attacking me personally. What do I have against them? What do I know? What skeletons in their closet do I know that they have that I can bring to light to put them on blast and embarrass them? No, we are not to do that. We leave the justice up to God who judges justly. Now, this isn't saying if someone breaks the law against you, that you just don't do anything. If someone backs into your car and damages your car, you don't just say, oh, well, that's unfortunate. No, we... <laughs> if they're breaking the law, if, if they've done something that you know you're, that's within the law to report to the authorities, we do that. If someone hits you over the head with a baseball bat, Jesus isn't saying just turn the other side of your head and, and invite them to do it again. You would be in the right to defend yourself. But this, what it is saying is that when we've been personally attacked, that we don't seek revenge. We don't seek then to bring damage and humiliation to someone else who has wronged us because the truth is these people are also in the image of God. 
And they may be in the wrong and attacking you, but you still view them for who they are, even though they are not viewing you for who you are. And so as difficult as it is, we trust that God is a righteous judge and he will make all things right. And so moving on in the passage, Jesus then goes on to say, if someone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Now, in Jesus' day, if you were being sued, if you had done something wrong and, and the court judges that you are in the wrong and you have to pay back that person, if you didn't have the finances available to pay back someone, oftentimes you would pay them back with your clothing. You would give them some of your possessions. And in Jesus' day, the the tunic was the undergarment. It was what you wore under your, your main heavy coat, and you usually had a few tunics. But usually you only had one coat, and your coat was very important for you. They didn't have vehicles back then, so in the cool of the night, if you were traveling, you needed your coat for warmth. And at night, to sleep, many times you would use that coat for warmth. And so in the law, you could take someone's tunic, but you couldn't take their coat. And so Jesus is saying that if you have been sued, if you are in the wrong and you owe someone your tunic to give them your coat as well. What he's communicating here is... This would tell the person that you aren't holding a grudge, that you realize that you have wronged them and you're willing to do whatever you can to make this situation right, even going above and beyond what is required of you. And you can imagine if you were to do that to the party that was suing you, what their response would be. They would be shocked that you would be offering what couldn't rightly be taken from you. And again, this would be what Jesus tells us to do, to let our light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and in turn glorify your Father that is in heaven. And so surely after you did this, it would allow for you to have a conversation with them on why you were doing it, who it is that you are obeying that would lead you to do something like this. So again, Jesus is is teaching us here, we're not to be bitter, we're not to hang on to something and do, do the lowest amount possible to get by with somebody in a relationship, but that we go above and beyond. And this leads to the next verse, in verse 41, where Jesus says, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, this is where we get the idiom, go the extra mile. Maybe you didn't know this, that phrase that we use in our language today comes from the teachings of Jesus. And we're familiar with what that means. We we love it when we go to a hotel that goes the extra mile, right? And they fold the towels real nice and they put a little something on the bed for you. Just those little things. We enjoy that. But what Jesus is talking about here is, is again, another very specific reference that the people of the culture of that day, they would know exactly what he's talking about. Because in that day, Judea was under 
the control of the Roman government. And in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem, it would be very common to have Roman officers in their gear walking around patrolling the streets. And so in the, in the law, they were allowed to ask a Jewish, Jewish citizen to carry their pack, carry whatever bag they were carrying with all their armor and rations and supplies they needed for the day. If they got tired or if they just didn't like the way that you looked at them, they had the right to ask you to carry their bags for up to a mile. But they could not ask you to go any further. And so again, Jesus is, is telling his followers, when this happens, don't be bitter, don't be upset, don't complain, but do it with the right attitude and in fact offer to carry their bag an extra mile. And again, you can imagine what this would do to the Roman officer, how they would respond to this, the, the type of conversation that it would allow you to have when they're flabbergasted that you, a Jewish citizen, would offer to go beyond what the law requires of you. And it would be an opportunity to say that I, yes, I'll, I'll submit to your authority, but I serve a higher king and in his kingdom, this is how we operate because his kingdom is a kingdom of love. And whether or not you love me, I love you. And I want to model my king. Amen. This is the attitude that we are to have. Now, as I was thinking about this specific example and how we would apply it today, I honestly had a hard time thinking of times where we would come across a government official who was needing relief from us and how we could go the extra mile. The best I came up with is we see an IRS agent on the side of the road with a flat tire. We change their tire and then we offer to buy them a new tire as well. Um, but we, you know, kids, teenagers, those who are living with your parents currently, you're, you're under the authority of your parents. You could read this and say, okay, when my parents ask me to take out the trash, I'm not just going to do the absolute minimum, but I'm going to go above and beyond and I'll do the dishes as well, or I'll wash my parents' car, or I'll vacuum the house. Y'all, you, you hear that applause, uh, kids? And don't say, well, I don't have enough time because I know at least half of y'all have been staying up till one or two in the morning during the summer playing video games. Okay, so let's obey Jesus and wash our parents' car this week. <laughs> but you see the heart of Christ, what he's saying here is, is his followers, it's a life of self-denial. It's a life of not trying to get revenge, not trying to think of every situation. How can we do the least amount of work in this situation? How can we um, please ourselves in this situation? But how can we serve others? How can we be a blessing to others? How can we model Christ in every area of our lives? And so the last verse Jesus says, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. 
as if Jesus hadn't said enough difficult things already. Now again, we don't take this verse and rip it out of its context and say, okay, Jesus is saying if anyone ever begs from us, we have to give them what they're asking. So if my nine-year-old daughter Ruthie comes up to me this afternoon and says, Dad, can I have the keys to your car? I want to go and buy some ice cream. If I say no and then she begs of me, please, Dad, let me have the keys. Okay, this is what Jesus is asking me to do, I guess. No, we have to take all of Scripture into its context. We know that even in saying this, Jesus is assuming that we will have wisdom, right, when people ask of us. Because if not, we would have no time to do anything else but then to be doing what everybody was asking of us. And so we have to use wisdom in this. But what Jesus is saying is that we have a desire to help others, that we aren't just thinking of ourselves. That when your friend asks you to move, help them move, you don't think of every single excuse of why it is that you couldn't help them move. Know that you are are willing and that you desire to help other people. And so that, that just when we think about that, how can we apply that today? Surely we see people on the street who are asking for money from us, and oftentimes in our wisdom, we, we know that if we give them what they're asking, it's not necessarily going to help their problem, but make their problem worse. But as followers of Christ who are wanting to be obedient to this text, maybe we carry bottles of water around with us in our car. Maybe we carry some non-perishable items or some things that could um, help with their hygiene or things that could help them take care of themselves. And we carry some tracks around because we do want to be obedient to what his word says. We don't just overlook it and say, well, he doesn't really mean that we're to be giving and generous and serving. No, we are. And so think through, how, how can you give to those who are asking and do so in a way that honors God. And so what Jesus is asking of us in in all of these verses today is to live a life of self-denial. To live a life that lays down your first inclination to think of yourselves and to think of getting revenge, to think of what your right is, what you have the right to do, and to lay that before Christ and to submit it to Him. Paul gives us, really I could have just read what Jesus said and then read what Paul said and then been done with it. But in Romans 12, Paul shows us exactly how this passage is to play out in the life of the church. In Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, Paul says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Listen to that verse. Outdo one another in showing honor. So if you feel you've been dishonored, you're not to go and dishonor that person. but You still show them honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. 
Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So here he's saying seek to be hospitality. Don't, Don't just wait for someone to come to you with a need. Seek out those that are in need and be hospitable. Bless those, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Can you imagine what it would look like if not the world, but even just the church lived out this passage and was obedient to what this passage is telling us? And this is what we are called to do as believers. When we are wronged, when we've been hurt, when we've been made fun of, when we've been betrayed, we leave that to God, who is a righteous judge. In ourselves, if we try to bring justice, we're going to mess it up. We're going to let our flesh get in the way. We leave it to the God who is just. We trust that He's going to deal rightly, and we leave it at that. On this topic of self-denial, George Mueller, the missionary, had this to say. He said, there was a day when I died, died to self, my opinions, preferences, tastes, and will, died to the world, its approval or censure, died to the approval or blame even of my brethren or friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. This is what we are called to do. We are not living for the approval of our friends or even our enemies. We live to show ourselves approved unto God. We live for an audience of one, our King, Christ Jesus. And our King, He tells us in Luke 9, verse 23, He says, If anyone would come after Me, so if anyone would choose to be a disciple of Me, a follower of Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will save it. Jesus says that we are called to deny ourselves and take up our cross. Jesus doesn't say this is a one-time thing, this is something that you do one time when you come to Christ. No, He says we are to deny ourselves daily. The life of a believer is one of self-sacrifice every single day. We are called to take up our cross 
and follow Christ. We're to give up of ourselves in this life. We don't just live this life for our own pleasures and our own things, our own possessions. We live our lives for others. And when we do so, we are modeling the life of Christ. We are modeling our King. And I know this is difficult. It's not something easy to do. In fact, I would say it's impossible to walk this out outside of Christ. But in Christ, it is possible. Last week, we looked at the passage that says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. So the old way of doing things, the old way of getting even, the old way of seeking revenge, that has passed away. And we are new in Christ. We've been filled with His Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells and lives within us. And so it should never be in our vocabulary that we cannot overcome or we cannot turn the other cheek. True, we can't in our own might, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit, we can be obedient to what God is asking us to do. And when we do so, when we lay ourselves down, lay our own wants and desires down, we are modeling the life of Christ. Because He surrendered His rights for us. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't retaliate when He was treated poorly. Isaiah 53, verse 4-6, through it says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced, not for His own transgressions, but for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him, laid on Christ, laid on our perfect King, the iniquity of us all. So Jesus was killed because of our sin. Because God is a God of justice. Because God cannot allow any sin, not one sin, no matter how small you think it is, to go unpunished. All sin will face the judgment of God. So God is a God of justice, but He's also a God of mercy. And the only way that these two things can reconcile is at the cross of Christ. God's mercy would make no sense if you didn't have the cross of Christ. Because if God gave you, if if God didn't give you what you deserved, if He was merciful without His justice, He wouldn't be a just God. And so it's at the cross of Christ where mercy and justice meet. Where God in the flesh took on your sin. He was spit on. He was called names. He was reviled. He was persecuted. But He still went to the cross because of His love for us. And so we look to His example. We look to the way Christ lived His life and we do our best to model that when we've been treated poorly, when we've been spoken against, when we've had our feelings hurt. We look to Christ and His example. 
And so if you're in here today and you've struggled with this and you've tried your best, you know you shouldn't seek revenge, you know you shouldn't retaliate, and you're still just, it just comes out. One, repent of that sin, but also look to Christ. Ask Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Don't just try to grit your teeth and overcome this on your own, but release it to God. Admit your shortcomings. Admit that you cannot do this on your own and give it to Christ. And I truly believe He will fill you with His power because Jesus is expecting us to be obedient of what He is asking in this passage. He wouldn't ask us to do this if it was impossible for us to do. And so look to Christ today. Look to His example. And I truly believe He will give you the strength to do this. And as we do, it will have an impact on those around us. We truly will be a city on a hill that is shining our light. We are living in a way that the world doesn't expect us to live. And as Paul says, it will leap, it will heap burning coals on their heads. They will have to respond to the way that we are living. And Scripture says they will glorify our God in heaven when they see how we are living our lives. So let's endeavor to do this. Let's endeavor to be obedient to every word of God, even when it's difficult. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand and pray this morning. If, if you have been having a hard time with this, if you know examples where you have made chaos out of your life by seeking, seeking revenge and retribution, allow this to be a time where you repent before God and, and truly ask Him to help you overcome this battle in your life. So let's go before the righteous God in prayer this morning. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, this is a difficult passage. We know this is a difficult passage. Lord, all of us have had times in our lives where we did not turn the other cheek, but we struck back. Lord, help us. Help us, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit to be obedient. Lord, to seek, seek out those even who we have wronged in the past. Let them know that we were not following our king we were following ourselves but we would like to make it right that we would seek forgiveness by those that we have wronged that we would truly apologize lord i thank you that you give us the strength to walk this out lord living a christian life is not easy but it is possible because you sent the helper you sent your holy spirit to walk with us, to lead us, to guide us, that we would never be alone in this life. So Lord, right now I pray that you would give all of us an overflow of your Holy Spirit, that you would anoint us even more with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would walk in the power and the strength and the victory of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that as we do so, that Others will see our example, that our coworkers will see our example, our family members will see that we are 
loving, even when they are unloving, even when they may say hurtful things to us, Lord, we still show them the love of Christ. So Father, I I thank you for this. I thank you for your word. Lord, let it truly transform our hearts today. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.